Hi guys, here we are today with Lewis Tuff, uh, VP of Engineering at blockchain.com. Lewis, good to have you with us. How are you? Hey, Lawrence. Yeah, it's great. I appreciate you inviting me on the show. Well, thank you for uh, taking the time to um, to speak with us um, just before the Queen's uh, Bank holiday, uh, sorry, a Jubilee um, weekend. So it's greatly appreciated. Um, Lewis, so so obviously, you know, we've seen exponential growth from a from blockchain.com. Um, you guys were obviously one of the very, very first uh, in the market, yeah. if not the first. Um, my co-founder, Jan Dean still, again, he's a huge fan of what you guys um, have been doing. And one of the first times I ever heard of you guys, several years back now, um, Jan was telling me that he had attended a talk that uh, Peter Smith was giving. I think it was around 2016 right. in Camden, uh, in North London. Yeah. Um, and he was giving a talk to about uh, 30 to 40 people at the time. Um, and you know, Jan tells me that you guys pretty much, I mean, you'd started, or, or sorry, um, Peter started in, in an apartment. Um, and at the time, think Jan was saying you guys had done about a billion dollars in transactions and at that point yeah. um am I correct in saying that now um you're well over the trillion dollar mark yeah that's correct and and we're still uh processing over a third of all bitcoin transactions that go through the bitcoin network so so what is it about uh blockchain.com that you guys understood back then yeah that the rest of the world feels like just missed they just missed it yeah i think look the, the founding team so peter uh nick and co really kind of had this belief in a new financial system built on the internet and really kind of allowing and democratizing access to financial services anywhere in the world and so that was really the core ethos is like okay how do we enable anyone no matter where they live to interact with a new economy and not be constrained by local or, or regional uh, restrictions that, that may be in place. And so I think that kind of belief kind of kicked things off. And yeah, the early kind of product was the purely kind of non-custodial or often now called in branded DeFi wallets. And so way back before DeFi was a hip and trendy term, we had a wallet available that allowed you as an individual to self-custody and manage your private keys and manage how you interact with these different protocols and chains like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and many more that we support today. And, and again, going back to that time, uh, you know, five, six years ago, um, you, that I assume, well, according to Jan, that room, it was just filled with like engineers. Um, how do you guys, from a technological standpoint, and again, this is really um, a lot of pressure on you. Yeah. How do you go about staying ahead of the competition? Sure. We are very focused on hiring kind of best in class engineers. And I think early on, we took the approach of if we find a great engineer, it doesn't matter where they're located, we're willing to hire them and bring them on board to the team. And so even before the pandemic, where everyone was forced into this remote friendly environment, around a third of our team were actually working remotely in various locations around the world. And that's because they were extremely high impact and, and um, 
valuable engineers and we weren't going to let the location that they resided in uh, hold us back. And, and, and so, and, you know, sorry. No, no, please go ahead. And so, yeah, we just have continued to focus on tapping into markets, communities, projects where talented engineers are congregating. And I think that one of the key things for us is like, as we're spinning up new products or features or developing the roadmap, we're really thinking about, okay, what are the differentiating skill sets that the individual will need to be successful? And then looking in those areas, for example, um, we have all of our wallets are open source and on GitHub. So our code is freely available for anyone to clone and read through and even run locally if they so wish. And so from that, you're getting kind of engaged audiences of engineers that want to improve the product experience, wants to fix and find the bugs, submitting kind of pull requests. So like code changes to our products to practically fix a frustration that they have of our product and also to help all the users that are using it. And we've actually hired a number of engineers through that approach. Have, I mean, have you had any engineers kind of look at what you guys are doing with your open source code and then get in touch with you and be like, hey, you know, I can help you with this? Oh, totally. Yeah, that's that's exactly uh, what we have seen. And we've hired a number of engineers through that process. I think like as an engineer, the most important thing that we think about, right, is the complexity of the technical challenge ahead and how we can build best in class product experiences that are simple for the user, but behind the scenes are often very complicated. And I think those kind of intellectually stimulating challenges are really what drive a lot of engineers to choose and decide which product and which company they want to work for next. And going beyond just choosing like what company they want to work for next, like as the VP of engineering at a company like blockchain.com, how do you go about making the decision as to what you guys need to focus on collectively as a team? Yeah, so I, I work very closely with, with Peter, the CEO, and, and our product leaders on the consumer and institutional side to really get a pulse on what is trending in the market, what are some of these upcoming new areas and applications that may be interesting for our user base or that have been fed back from our clients. And so we're constantly assessing what, like one of my roles is to constantly assess the market and understand the different projects that are being spun up, new startups that are scaling up, new interesting applications of blockchain technologies, of, of tokens, of some kind of hybrid bridge between the traditional financial world and this new crypto native world, and then kind of building out the experiences around them. And so I think the key thing that drives us is, is, is one, really focus on products and features where we can add real value to users. And so that's leveraging our crypto native skill set, experience, and engineers. Two is like opening up our platform to be as interoperable as possible so that we can really tap into that community. Because for me, one of the key things of like the crypto industry and community is that it's a, a ton of passionate people that all have this common shared belief and mission and really want to drive value for not just people locally, but all around the world. And I think that kind of That's sense of community cool. and that kind of collaborative approach is really exciting. And I think, I mean, how old were you when you started coding yourself? Yeah, pr pretty young. I mean, uh, I was on a computer the first time 
luckily when I was like four, um, started building wow. websites in, uh, I built my first computer when I was 13, uh, using a paper iron to kind of fund the, the components of my first, uh, computer. And then, yeah, from there, I just kind of was tinkering, uh, building websites for people, um, started like branching out into different programming languages and, and really wanted to understand what happens behind the scenes, right? We all see and interact with computers, iPads, iPhones all day, every day. And for me, I just took that obsession one level further and really wanted to kind of dive deep into like, okay, how does this set of lines of code translate into an action or uh, a kind of render as a component on a screen? So I've got to ask, sorry, who, who introduced you to computers at four years old? Oh, my, my dad. So I'm very fortunate that, yeah, have uh, great supportive parents. And my, and my dad was uh, definitely um, a very keen influence in my kind of technical journey and, and, and was also, yeah, a huge uh, technology advocate and gadget advocate um, throughout my whole upbringing. It's obviously like worked for you. Um, <laughs> Definitely rubbed off. Yes. Well, you you were saying like you um sorry, did you say you you were doing a paper round to um um buy a computer say to buy a computer or to buy the parts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I my parents always kind of instilled this kind of entrepreneurship early on of like, hey, you can either sell services or you can sell products or you can sell your time. In this case, the, the, the quickest and easiest way for me to make money at like 12, 13 was to take on paper rains. So I took on three different paper rains, one in the morning, one in the evening, and then a weekly one. And uh, yeah, I basically saved up um, 600 pounds to, to buy over many months, obviously, and uh, to buy my first computer. And uh, I ordered all the parts and, and uh, there was no kind of like, YouTube at the time. <laughs> and so I just, yeah, started reading um, and bought all of the components. And then, yeah, sat in my bedroom and worked out how to put it all together and, and, and booted up with my first machine. Yeah. So that was kind of work? an exciting journey. Did it work? Yeah, it, it worked. And, and actually, I still have that machine today. Um, I kept it for kind of nostalgic reasons. At some point, maybe I'll boot it back up again. <laughs> So, so what were you doing then? So, so obviously it sounds like you've been passionate about technology since, since a very young age. Um, what, what, was the, what was the story behind you ending up at uh, uh, blockchain.com? Yeah, sure. So I studied kind of artificial intelligence at university, always kind of loved the cross-section of psychology, computer science, like maths, and really kind of bringing together those different disciplines. I thought that I would then follow that path into kind of industry, but kind of got sucked into the investment banking world. Uh, they basically came to a careers fair and showed these very impressive, huge, scalable, uh, distributed systems that were really operating at phenomenal scale and throughput and low latency. So a lot of them trading applications and infrastructure which is, yeah, extreme amount of data, extre uh, extreme amount of events, extreme amount of orders and trades. And I find that whole fascinating, right? It, it kind of uh, piqued my interest and curiosity of like, okay, great. Now I'm used to kind of writing software or building applications for like one user myself or maybe a couple of users. And suddenly you're building it for a financial system 
that is transacting billions and billions of dollars and, and, and is that huge amount of scale. And if something goes wrong, it's high impact, right? And so I started my journey front office trading uh, floor in engineering, building risk and trade capture and analytics. And, uh, I was working for uh, UBS and Goldman Sachs. I have to say, I, 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 I took the same kind of path in terms of, I went to work for like hedge funds and banks. Yes. Straight out of university. Um, they I mean, do a good, great sales job at their careers fair. Do you, do you, know, do you know what? I, I have to say that I kind of look back on it and I kind of think, is it something I regret doing, venturing down that path? And yeah. one thing I will say is you certainly learn a lot about business in a very, very fast, in a very short, uh, short time frame. But I mean, with you, I mean, do you have any regrets with that? Do you wish you kind of jumped uh, more into the fintech back then? Or was yeah. it a good learning experience for you? No, I, I think it was a great learning experience. I think they have very structured programs that have been refined over many, many decades in most cases. And so they are setting you up to accelerate your first few years in the kind of professional setting. And also on top of that, a career path is, is rarely linear. And in my case, definitely not. And actually the my next set of opportunities. So jumping in as one of the first engineers at Revolut, which is the um, Neo Bank Challenger app that was started uh, in London. The co-founder, Vlad, I worked with him at UBS in a team. I was a junior wow. engineer, he was a senior engineer. And that's how uh, I come to meet him. And, and, and then, yeah, he reached out many years later and, and, uh, and yeah, I decided to kind of jump ship from Goldman at the time into the startup space and take that kind of first leap of faith. But um, so I never regret any of it. I think like the people you meet, the networks you build, many of my best friends today, I met through my time at UBS and Goldman. And, and then beyond that, professionally, many of those business contacts and acquaintances I've met have gone on to start their own companies, have gone on to become leaders in different industries. And so I think that is just going to extremely beneficial. And in, in terms of blockchain.com, I mean, yeah. um, you, you know, you've obviously been there. Um, you've been there a, a long time. You've been able to see this like huge exponential growth. Um, what, what are we going to see for the future? Um, not just for blockchain.com, but blockchain technologies. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's a big question. I think that in terms of blockchain.com, yeah, I, I have been on an exciting journey with the team here and, and helping to grow and develop our core products. But the reality is we're just getting started. We really do see this as a the long game and, and it's a long time horizon. We're just at the beginning of this revolution and this new way of thinking about interacting with finances, building an economy, and building these different financial products. And so my path to blockchain.com was through uh, building out crypto products in my previous role and, and getting on the radar of, of Peter Smith and then really being uh, attracted how did you by guys them. How, how, sorry, how did you and Peter meet? Yeah, so he, he reached out. Um, he saw that I was building this crypto product feature at Revolut. It was one of the first challenger banks uh, to offer crypto exposure and product. And I think he saw a tweet and, or, or, on, on, online and, and yeah, dropped me an email and said, hey, we should have a chat. It'd be great to understand what you're building and, and uh, opportunities in the future. 
and yeah, naively, I, I went into that thinking like, okay, he just wants to like understand the technology behind it and what we've done and how, how it's built a couple of like meetings later. And he said, Hey, Lewis, are you ready to go all in on crypto? Love that. And that was the key question that really uh, resonated. And, and I was like, yes, actually, I want to be surrounded by people that are passionate about the space that know more than I do and that I can help to really push forward, not just a company and a set of products, but the whole industry as a whole. And I think that's the real opportunity here is that working in the crypto industry where it's unprecedented and you don't have a clear line of sight on the path forward is, yeah. is a really exciting opportunity to embrace. Well, I mean, with, with those exciting opportunities, I mean, will we see blockchain technologies um, being used in other use cases? Like, where yeah. are we going? So, I mean, at, at blockchain.com, we are building out and focusing on a lot of our crypto-native experiences. So we started our life as this non-custodial or self-custodial um, wallet. We built a lot of custodial features to build these familiar on and off ramps and onboarding experiences for users around the world. And we're really returning to our roots now that the industry has started to catch up and are building out these real crypto native experiences. So building out our NFT marketplace, which is mm. protocol and platform agnostic. So really kind of giving users best in class selection of different collectibles and NFTs, as well as giving them the ability to list and create and deploy and mint their, their collections themselves as a creator. And then finding to custody all of these assets in one place, one unified product experience, one wallet, rather than having at the moment, many of us that are kind of deep in the space, you end up having like N number of wallets. You lose track of the number you have because you have one for every chain or one for every different type of product or, or DAP, it becomes pretty complicated. And so for us, blockchain.com, we're trying to create this gateway and, and kind of super app marketplace where anything you want to do on chain crypto native or off chain in the traditional financial world, we're bridging that gap and providing one place to manage all of your crypto finances. So, I mean, th that said, so obviously, you know, we, we're going to see this huge growth in the industry as a whole. We're also seeing um, a lot more developers, whether they're uh, blockchain developers or not, you know, they want, they want to, they want to move into that space. And, I mean, culturally, I mean, how, how do you guys maintain your core values? How do you make sure that, you know, you're, you stay focused on your, you know, on your mission and actually, you know, that, that culture is able to evolve as the company grows and grows and grows? Yeah, great question. I, I think that technically on the engineering side, we define a set of kind of first principles of how we're building software, how we're building systems and how we build products. And we have a very kind of cohesive type product and engineering um, organization and really kind of defining what are the acceptable parameters here and what are we expecting of individuals, what are we expecting of teams, what are we expecting of different uh, groups. And, and that really comes down to a few key things. One is the ability to fail and fail often, but fail fast. And so really kind of embracing failure, learning from that, and making sure that you continue to move forward. I think that if you're pushing boundaries and you're uh, kind of blazing new trails, 
ultimately you're not going to make the right decision 100 percent of the time right and so you have to get comfortable with that chaos and, and that uncertainty uh, but the key thing is how you learn from it and then how you actually continue to build on those foundations i think the second thing is like technical curiosity everyone here this is not just in engineering this is this is cross-functionally everyone here has to be technically curious right it doesn't matter which role you're in which function um, you are assigned to the space is moving at an exponential rate and so we want people here that not are only mission driven, but really care about understanding what are the latest product experiences, what are the latest technologies being deployed, what are different applications. You mentioned, uh, yeah, asking a question around what are some new applications. I mean, every day we're seeing huge brands like just yesterday, Prada announced they're going to launch their whole new Web3 offering and linking their kind of physical products to an on-chain NFT. And they've even created a Discord channel around that to, to drive the whole community element. And what does that mean for these companies that are now like early adopters in the NFT space? Because again, daily now, I'm hearing about more uh, bigger and bigger brands investing in the NFT space. What does that mean? And, and what does that look like for the future of the way in which companies actually engage um, in, in blockchain technology? Yeah, I, I think that... Uh... It actually opens up a whole new set of opportunities to really engage with your consumers and users of your product. In the case for like fashion outlets and stores, they can react to user feedback. They can react to their consumers. They can engage with them. They can take them on that journey, right? And start actually collaborating with them. Usually if you look at different industries, the team behind that product or service is making a lot of assumptions on what it is the user wants, what this consumer wants, and then throwing it out into the wild and hoping for the best. And I think bridging the gap between this physical world and a digital world and tying it to some on-chain asset means you have a real-time feedback loop. You have an engaged user and you can then unlock a, a bunch of benefits, right? It becomes like your membership card to your local club you now have access to potentially a whole suite of different content, services, people and community that you can engage with that you wouldn't have access to otherwise. And you've got that because you've bought the latest t-shirt or shirt or pair of jeans or whatever the product may be. Um, sneakers and trainers, right? They're, they're a, a popular one right now. So I think that's kind of super interesting. And then I think if you take that one step further and go to like more high valuable items or, or, or scarcer items, you then have provenance, right? You can see the ownership history and there's a whole trail on chain around that. And so if you wanna make sure that your diamonds that you're buying for your fiance's ring are actually ethically sourced, then you can actually follow that on chain and see some provenance from that. So I think there's some really interesting applications going beyond just consumerism, going beyond just speculation and, uh, I hadn't even thought go. about using it in that context. I, I thought it was going to be more, I'm still in the mind frame of, are we just going to be going to concerts, right? With our friends putting, you know, Oculus headsets on and, <laughs> you, know, um, you know, being able to go go to some concert in Sao Paulo whilst yes. in my living room, you know? Which I, which I think is, uh, is great fun for anyone that's tried it. I mean, I, I have an Oculus also and uh, yeah, I, I find... Stepping into that virtual world is it really does uh, take you somewhere else, like quite quite literally. And and 
blocks out all the noise and distractions from everyday life. And so, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there, I think, for um, different companies to build out these hybrid experiences and, and really give kind of evolving and dynamic content, right? So if you go to the launch of a product or a store or a concert, it can't be tailored to every individual in real time. But in the VR context, it can be. And actually, whatever you're most interested in, whatever you want to see, whatever you want to double click on, uh, you're able to do from the comfort you're in home and have a very different experience compared to everyone else involved. And as I say, linking it back to crypto, I've seen a lot of VR and AR companies now using crypto native concepts and technologies to tie those worlds together, right? And some of them are just using NFTs and issuing badges or membership cards or rewards or loyalty. Others are taking it one step further and actually creating that journey on chain so that then you have this trial and, and progress and, and these key milestones in a decentralized manner that can be moved between different applications. But does that make that does that make it harder for you personally when you're seeing these all, all these new opportunities, all these new use cases? Like yeah. All of a sudden, you know, like it must be quite hard for you to actually focus and decide. Actually, guys, <laughs> we're going to block out the noise. This is what we're focusing on right right now. Yeah, that that is a great point, and and definitely one that we kind of pride ourselves on. There's a lot of noise out there, and yeah. there's 101 things the company and the team could be focused on building. And really what we have to be very thoughtful about is how do we cut through that noise and how do you make sure the team is hyper-focused? So like part of my role and part of all the engineering leaders roles is to help with that, right? To filter that noise, to keep the team focused and engaged and, and, and driving towards the objective and really kind of picking the top key features and products that we think will drive most value to the user as a priority. And then everything else is a long tail of experimental things we could be doing. Maybe that's a small portion of our time, but it shouldn't be the majority of our time, right? And, and so we ultimately wanna be here over the long run. And so that means building sustainable foundations, investing in real use cases that are not just speculative, but also utility-based and, and really kind of engaging with users around the world to, to understand their behaviors and how they differ across markets. And I think like one thing that we're doing at the moment is expanding into new international markets. And so Latin America is a big region for us. We're, we're gonna expand into Africa. And really the use case for crypto there is extremely different to the US, UK and Europe. They're actually using this day to day to hedge against inflation of their local currency, to actually interact with international products and services and platforms, and to even be paid right internationally and work for international companies. And so, for them, it's a way of life. It's not a speculative tool just to kind of trade on the weekends when they have some free cash. It's actually providing a way to better manage their money and to access this kind of global economy that otherwise is, is out of reach. And I mean, I mean, on, on that, you know, blockchain.com is evolving again very quickly. You talk about like moving into like, like the, all these international markets what is really next for you guys? I kind of feel you've answered that somewhat, but yeah, sure. I'm going to push you a bit like, what is next for blockchain.com? Yeah, so I think we've done a few things recently. We, we just launched last week, completely reimagined Explorer landing page. That's important because 
it's much more focused on user engagement and an exploratory element of diving into these different facets of this crypto ecosystem that maybe were not obvious before. So moving the explorer from just being a lookup tool for on-chain data analytics to actually being an exploratory gateway into all the products and features that may or may not be interesting to each individual. So I think that's one thing. It's like taking people on that journey and help and educating them on what's available, why it's valuable, and how they can use it, I think is super important and, and really one of our core focuses. And the other thing is NFTs. Like we've seen a lot of companies now launching NFT marketplaces. I think for us, to go back to the earlier point, like we really want to be interoperable. We want to be the most interoperable platform that is giving the users a choice of which protocols, which tokens, which NFTs, which liquidity pools they access. And crucially, if we build the interoperability and we build that backbone infrastructure, users will want to use our platform and want to use our wallet and, and want to kind of stay uh, with us on that journey as we keep evolving the product. And so that's really exciting to be able to access not just one marketplace, not just one platform protocol and decide, okay, I'm only going to buy NFTs on Solana or I'm only going to buy NFTs on Ethereum, but actually providing the abstraction to say, hey, you have a set of NFTs, doesn't matter where they reside on chain, we're going to show them in the same product, in the same experience. Hey, you want to buy and sell them? It's exactly the same mechanism. If you want to do it for an NFT that sits on Solana, we're going to do it for an NFT that sits on Ethereum, you can use our product seamlessly. And so I think the product experience is key. The on-chain crypto native interoperability is, is crucial. And then the on and off ramps to create this connection with international markets and really kind of hyper-localizing the experience so that your first touch is a simple one. They're kind of the three big goals for, for this year and how I think we'll move this space forward. And I mean, and I mean, I have to ask you this. I mean, last question. I mean, we obviously I get contacted personally probably by about 100 200 developers a week generally across the world just just saying hey they want to work for whatever company it may be or do i have sure. contacts like and it's so hard like you, you pointed out just now it's a very very noisy world it's a very very noisy market particularly what should these developers be doing to what we know to win opportunities at companies like blockchain.com what is it as a vp of engineering that you expect what can they do to create an advantage for themselves? Yeah, I think for me, the key thing is to have breadth of understanding of the market, the industry, and the technology. So understand the core concepts of like, what is a blockchain? How does Ethereum differ from Bitcoin? How does it differ from Algorand, Polkadot? Just pick one or two of them and understand the key differences and nuances and understand where they're heading. Like, why does someone choose a specific chain over another? How is the app ecosystem evolving? How's the activity, transactional activity on chain evolving? Are people actually using this chain day in, day out? I think so having this breadth and kind of understanding of the core concepts is really important because that's transferable. And then I think you need to go deep in at least one area. And so you should just pick something you're passionate about and something that you can get excited about and just go deep into that space. There's a rabbit hole with every single one you explore. So if that's NFTs, go deep in the NFT space and understand, okay, what are different marketplaces out there? 
What are the different collections that are being launched? What are some of the partnerships that have happened in the real world and are now moving into digital assets? And I think for us, like these are the kind of these technical curiosities in giving a good understanding of the broad nature of the market and then having some depth in one of these key areas is what excites me when I'm talking to prospective candidates and really understanding like what's piqued their interest. Like if I ask someone about what they've read recently and they struggle to come back with anything at all, for me, that's a huge red flag. And so I think that you have to be engaged, you have to be contributing and you have to be part of the community. Brilliant. And and Lewis, and on that, I have to say, um, you know, sh should they be studying any like new technologies? Is there anything that you think that would be really useful for uh, people that want to become block blockchain developers? Should there be specific programming languages they should be focused on? Yeah, I mean, Rust is kind of taking over and is uh, becoming the kind of language and stack of choice for many protocols. I think that is a very kind of transferable skill set if you get familiar with the language, the paradigms and the architecture, I think that would go a long way to, to giving you uh, a significant leg up and advantage. And as I say, many of these projects, the majority of them are open source. And so you have the reference material available to you in GitHub. You can go there, clone the code base, read through it, try and run it locally, understand the key mechanics of how things fit together. And that will go a long way in, in like really solidifying your understanding and, and helping you to set up for success in the space. There you have it, guys, from uh, Lewis Tuff, VP of Engineering at uh, blockchain.com. Uh, Lewis, it's been great having you. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks again for having me on. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye. See ya.